Welcome to the Valley View Podcast. My name is Caleb Chamberlain, and I'm the pastor here at Valley View Church. We are so grateful that you are joining our church family as we pursue the Lord's heart and His plan for all of us. It is our desire to grow, and we are excited that you get to join us in this adventure. So grab your Bible and prepare your heart to seek God's face and all that He has in store. All right, so I am a opposite of tech savvy. I am in the dark ages with tech. Chris was my IT guy for 13 years, and I've just never tried to pick it back up. So, we're going old school today. So God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for uh, everything you've taught me through preparing for this message, and um, I just ask that you would open our minds and open our hearts, and uh, <clears throat> Holy Spirit, uh, help us to uh, comprehend that, that which you're going to show us today, and I'm sure some people here are already on to this, and maybe some people are not, and, uh, and Lord, I just ask for the spirit of offense to leave um, right now in the name of uh, Jesus, because I... Amen. Because I am a regular human being. I am not a theologian, right? I do my own research, and the Holy Spirit kind of nudges me along. So when Caleb asked me to speak uh, after the baby was born, I was hesitant, but then I said yes. And uh, as soon as I said yes, he said, and I want the topic to be on unity. And I thought, oh my gosh. Okay, I know nothing. But the first thing that came to my mind immediately was the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because where do I look? Where do I look? Where, do we, where are we supposed to look for our prime examples of everything? Right? In the Bible, in the Scripture, from Jesus, from the, Holy, from the Father, blah, blah, blah. I mean, so there we went. I thought, oh, that'll be easy. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. So why do I even care about the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? I mean, why is that a, why is that a big deal? Like, I talked to different, a whole group of different friends of mine, different walks, and they're like, why do you care? Why don't you just move on and accept it, you know, that we don't, we're never going to understand it, you know, they're three, but they're one, and we just aren't going to get it. And it's the mystery, I think, of it. It's, it's my curiosity is peaked, you know, and, and I know that the deeper I go into the Word, the more things I see. And so I wonder what it is I haven't seen yet, and, uh, and I'm hungry for that. So to understand uh, unity, <clears throat> I want to quickly look at, um, or look at, the individual roles of uh, each one each person of God. And first I'm going to start out with Jeremiah 9, 24, 23. I'm not sure that's in your notes, probably not. But it's, uh, it was a word given to me a long time ago, and I want to share it with you. Uh, it's God talking to some folks who were probably not doing the right thing at the time. And in Jeremiah, he says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord 
Isn't that amazing? 924. It's in that it's in that neighborhood. There's more ahead and more behind that, but that's the choice meat for me today. So when we think of uh, God, I think of eternal. You know, God is eternal, and I and I have a, a a sense of well, He started in the Old Testament in the beginning, and then He goes forward. But no, He goes back as well. And eternal, eternal is being without beginning or end. Eternal is it's being without beginning or end. We got to open our minds to that, you know. It's and it's and and while I was writing that, I, I felt like the Lord said, and it's side to side. It's in all directions. So eternal isn't just forwards and back. It's all over, right? Okay. Like I said. Open the mind a little. So supernatural. I always think of it in the terms of God. Like there's supernatural and we think of evil stuff and witchery and all that. But no, supernatural when applied to God, who is the originator of supernatural, is, it says right here, of or relating to an order or of, of existence beyond the visible universe, departing from the laws of nature. You know, I think it requires God's grace to understand this <laughs> to, and to understand this divine unity and fellowship before anything ever existed, before Genesis 1, they were, right? I am that I am. Am I going too fast? It's cool? Okay. So I, want, on the, I intentionally have Genesis 1, 1 to 3, Genesis 2, 4, and John 1, 1 to 3 on the same page. Did everybody get notes that wants them? Okay. So we're going to look at how all three of the persons of God, if you will, Father God, Holy Spirit, and Son, were present in Genesis. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit... Holy Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So some people would say, well, God said, that's the word, that's Jesus, right? Anytime you hear the word, that's Jesus. But if you look down in Genesis 2.4, I did a lot of research on these scriptures, by the way. Resources are on the back. So in Genesis 2.4, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heaven. And this is sort of, I'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but this is where the Lord God starts to be mentioned in the Bible. And the Lord God in Hebrew is Yahweh. So I don't know if anybody's ever seen that before. I can't read the room, but we jump ahead. So that would be the Trinity. We've got God, we've got the Holy Spirit, and we've got Yahweh, who is Jesus. In John 1, 1, 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's referring back to Genesis 1 and that we just read. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus and without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. And Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, 
and the darkness did not comprehend it. Did you know that already? I don't, it's okay if, like, if nobody's ever seen that before. Nobody's reacting. I have flat faces. <clears throat> I need reactions so I know where I'm headed. So is everybody hanging with me on that one? Because not everybody's seen that. Okay. All right, we're moving on to Matthew 3, 16 and 17. Now, in this, in this scripture, we've got all three. Each one's doing something different, but they're doing it in unison. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is anointing and empowering. The Father is speaking, and the Son is being anointed to be Messiah. So Matthew 16, 3.16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Have you ever just done a study in the Bible to look where God speaks? You know, you look for the quotient, the quotas, uh, quotes. Have you ever done that? It's amazing. It's all through the Old Testament and New Testament where God speaks. That's a big deal to me. I'd like it to become a big deal to you guys if it's not already, because we're trusting our life and our eternity and our, our values, and we worship. You know, we, we wrap it all, we've got all our eggs in one basket, hopefully by now. It's at this church, all our eggs are in one basket, and that would be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, kind of important to know what God says. There's uh, places where he can be a little scary. There's places where he can be uh, pretty fatherly and stern. And then there's places where he can be very loving and kind. <clears throat> so then in 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. These three are one. That's the whole message here. These three are one. And it's, for me, when I first started years ago following the Lord, that was a hard, that's a hard thing for me to grasp. And as I go along, I get a little bit more familiar with it, I guess is the right word. So now we have in John 14, 10 to 11, 16 to 17, we have Jesus' words. Jesus is talking here. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the work themselves. And then in 16 he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither, neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I just think that's amazing. You know, if we think back to creation and Genesis and how they were already in unity, they were already in fellowship, they were already in perfect love before before starting this whole journey of the earth, etc. And so now they want to pull us in. They made us. <laughs> so 
to be in fellowship. I mean, that's like we are the inner circle of the inner circle, right? I just think that's pretty cool. Not that we should be snotty about it, but I just think it's pretty cool. Boy, you guys got some straight faces. All right. All right, so Jesus again in John fourteen nineteen, A little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you, through the Holy Spirit. That's just amazing. It's just amazing. I don't think that needs any explanation. You know, when I, when I was right, getting this together, I just felt the Lord just kept saying, just read the scripture. Just read this. I just want him to hear the scriptures. I don't have, I, like, I feel like I don't have to sell this. Do you know? Because it's there. Jesus has said it. God the Father has said it. Paul, who, huh? All these guys. So anyway. Blessed. Blessed. It comes with a lot of commandments and stuff, but who cares, right? It's all for our good. So here's some more examples of all three together in the scripture. So in Titus 3, 4 to 7, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So there it is. There it is. There's a lot there. You know, when I was recently on a four or five day weekend, and I had this dream and uh, in this dream, I was in a house, and I kept going up steps and going up steps and going up steps, and, and I knew that I was trying to get up to this, this man, and uh, I kept trying to go and trying to go, and up the steps, another floor, up the steps, another floor, and I was getting anxious about it. And then I was like, I don't even know if I want to be with that man, like go meet that man, because he's a little scary, do you know? And uh, I got to the final floor, and there were no steps. There were no steps. And I woke up anxious, right, from that dream. And I was like, wah. And for just a little bit, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And then I thought, oh, that dream was meant to scare me. But in the light of the Lord, because, and then right away it was... It's by his grace. It's by his worth. It's by his righteousness. It's by his mercy. It's by what Jesus did on the cross that allows me to come up higher. Does that make sense? Crazy dream. That's what happens. But it drives your point home, doesn't it? It did for me. I thought I already knew it, but it really drove it home again. So a friend of mine really likes Jude. And so Jude 20 to 21 but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, I used to read stuff like that, and I say unto eternal life, and I thought that meant that was the goal, eternal life. Well, that's one of the goals, but I also want a better life in this life. 
And, and, and it's like clear to me, the more I the read, the more I study, that yeah, that this is for God's glory, but it's also for our betterment. Are we cool? We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? We're hanging on. Tina. I have to say this, but sometimes, I mean, it's not all just like it is here, but a lot of times I'm reading and I get confused sometimes if the Lord is God or the Lord is Jesus. Right. So. According to what it's saying. Okay. So, on the back is a list. Oh on the back of yours, is a list of resources that I used. There, I, I read out of the New King James Bible, right? Down at the bottom, it should say resources. There's a thing called the Matthew Henry Commentary, which is one I look at. There's online, there's this thing called the Bible Hub. There's multiple Bible study sites, but Bible Hub has a parallel Bible where you can look up a scripture, type in a scripture, and ask for it to come up in Aramaic or, and or Hebrew. And that's helpful. And there's the Blue Bible online. And then there's a couple, there's another book I recommended. And um, the videos I watched didn't have anything to do with what you're talking about. But there are the resources back there that are helpful if you're a digger or you want to be a digger like I am, right? Because I, I read that too and I go, that's a little vague. I mean, it's specific, but it's vague. And so, I, yeah, that's cool. I encourage you to go digging. What? It could be a good place to start. You bet. And read the rest of the scripture around it. That'll help. Seeing these, just these little pieces, like I'm doing today, I'm taking the highlights. I'm taking the highlights out that pertain to what topic I'm on. But if you read the whole thing in context, it comes, becomes more clear. Yeah. <clears throat> now, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, that's a lot of scripture. Nobody wants to hear me read that that long. So I'll leave that there for you. Just know that um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. So, on um, in Ephesians, the last thirteen and fourteen, um, in Him who you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Holy Spirit, we can't see, right? Sometimes we feel or we sense, right? Or maybe we hear or when I say sense, I say all the five senses or what else? I mean, Holy Spirit does what else? Thoughts. Somebody said something, but I didn't. Comforts. Teaches. 
guides. And what is what do you think? Who knows what Holy Spirit's like main focus is? Yeah, revealing Jesus. Exactly. So Holy Spirit's not going to like come and walk the planet, especially, because the whole focus, and this is my opinion, the whole focus is Jesus, who did come and walk the planet, right? All right. And Holy Spirit, we just love you. Thank you so much. All right. So 1 Peter 1, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ is the pilgrim, la, 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 elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So there they are, all three again. Spirit is sanctifying, blood of Jesus, knowledge of God. Always back to Jesus. Hmm... I'm just going to read it. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 17. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work. That's a lot to unpack. But there's good stuff in there. 1 Corinthians 12, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all, we're talking about all three in one. Ephesians 4, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. You know, when that was written, there were thousands of gods in the land. You know, little g gods. Thousands of gods. And so it needed to be differentiated it still does. Thank you. Yep, still does. Still does. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And when I look at Genesis, it looks to me like Holy Spirit was the first one taking action because he moved upon the face of the waters. You know, when I was looking at that, I went on YouTube and I was looking for, does anybody have a little video? And they were just all too odd. Because because I, I don't want to limit Holy Spirit like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, can't do that. <clears throat> so the Holy Spirit is the power of God at work on earth and how we know what God wants us to do. We receive grace and gifts from the Spirit like faithfulness, self-control. Does anybody, can anybody think of the others? Patience. Long-suffering. Kindness, joy. joy. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> so John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will, 
<clears throat> will send in my name. He will be. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Have you ever been talking to somebody who's maybe not a believer or a younger believer than you, and you just know Scripture will come to mind? You may not know the address, but you know what to say, right? You get the gist of it, and you can translate it. Holy Spirit, right? Love Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. And look what Jesus does in John 16. You know, this is uh, around the Last Supper, and uh, he knows what's going to happen, and the disciples don't. And he's trying to explain things to them. And so I sort of come in mid-scripture there, and, it, and, he, and Jesus says, It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin because they don't believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He didn't have to do that. He could have come. I mean, it was a big deal. He came in human form, right? All right? God came to earth in human form, walked among us, had these guys write all this stuff down, did all these miracles. He didn't have to then send a helper. He could have been like, I gave you the textbook. I gave you the examples. I gave you the eyewitnesses. Right? I just think that's cool. Well, Tina, I'm not 100% sure I can give you the exact definition of that. Maybe Vicky will look it up, what begotten exactly means. But to me, that means that, that uh, Jesus came in spirit, somehow became man through Mary, became a baby. So begotten in that way. That he, he, he came in that form. God hasn't created any other children like that mm-hmm. through human divine intervention whole, this is a huge question you just asked I have to tell you <laughs> many theologians have tried to answer that I'm doing the best I can and I'm sort of the backyard just telling you stuff you know so theologians all over the place are trying to completely answer that question Holy Spirit came upon Mary Mary became pregnant had the baby, Jesus, right? So Jesus is a man, but he's also got God in him, or is God. Yeah, so so you're not alone in that. Another thing we could all dig into. Okay. And more scripture just to back all this up. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. What? Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. 
all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So let's reread that. Who is that? He is the image, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Jesus all things were created that are in heaven. What? Kind of an eye-opener to some. Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Jesus Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things consist. Crazy. He's everything. Okay. So, the Lord's got me moving through this quicker than I thought we would, so that means he wants me to go to another thing. Um, <laughs> which he, I didn't know about for sure, so we're going to wait. But, um, so, now, now what have I got? I've got uh, Genesis 2-4. I don't think it says Genesis. It just probably says 2-4. So it's Genesis. Apologize. Low tech. <clears throat> so, at this point... In scripture, it starts to use the terminology Lord God, not just God. In the creation story in Genesis, Lord God, Hebrew is Yahweh Elohim, who is, who is Yahweh? Jesus. Jesus. What? What? Again, in the Hebrew Bible. So, what? It's got all the little weird squiggly words, you know, the, the symbols and things. Yeah. Yahweh Elohim. So this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Jesus made the earth and the heavens. That's how I read that now. That's kind of feeling edgy. That's feeling like I'm stepping out on the fringe someplace. <laughs> that feels like I could maybe get in trouble. But look. And the Lord God, Jesus, Jesus formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. This isn't me coming up with this. This is in the Hebrew, Bible, Aramaic, wherever you want to read it. Lord, and then 2, 8 to 22, I just picked out phrases. Jesus planted a garden, made every tree grow, took the man, put him in the garden, commanded him about what to eat and not eat, made him a helper. And look at 3, 8, Genesis 3, 8. If you've never, this has never jumped out to you before. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So the Lord God was in human form walking, right? Are you guys tracking with that? Is it too weird? Did you already know it? Okay. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they knew, Adam and Eve knew it was him because they knew his footsteps, right? Like, if I'm at work and my boss is walking down the hall, I know her footsteps. I don't have to see her. I hear her coming, that familiarity, right? And so they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
could only be a human, right? I mean, I suppose it could have been an animal, but that doesn't make sense. Because they made us in their image. Are we doing all right? Are you ready to throw stones at me? Okay, well, we're getting, we might. All right, so it, let's go way back to the Old Testament. Exodus 6, 2 to 3. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, Yahweh, I was not known to them. So Exodus, and God spoke to Moses and said to him, now, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were before Moses. So, before God spoke to Moses, so what does that what does that say? It sounds crazy. The first time I saw that, I thought, like, that's crazy. Surely these people are wrong. The ones who are showing me the Hebrew, showing me the Aramaic, the studies I've done, they're probably all heretical or whatever you call that. They're probably all these crazy people trying to sell Jesus, you know. So I just kept looking, and it just keeps, that's what it always comes back to. Because why would, why would God say that? Because, because. So. I'm hoping that this is starting to turn your mind about Jesus if you haven't thought about Jesus in this way before. Or if you haven't seen this in your studies. I'm hoping you'll go digging for it. Even if it's to prove me wrong. Even if it's to prove... I'm going to show that, Laura. Well, come to me. I would love to have somebody to talk about this with. I'm not afraid of that. But it's important to look at because for me, I don't want to be deceived. I want to know who... I'm turning my life and my will and care of everything in my future over to. And, and I'm drawn by that mercy that I receive so frequently. And I'm drawn by the love that I experience so frequently. And I'm drawn by the healing that happens so frequently. Do you know what I mean? That it's like I'm drawn to want to get in there more. And I feel like there's more to be found. So that's where I go with that. So I don't think this is on your notes, but I'm going to skip over Luke 4. We know that. Um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he... Well, I'll just read it. It's the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is... Uh, Jesus talking. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay. On that last page, I've got some John 1.10 versions. Uh, the, I'm not sure I'm going to say this right. The Prashida Holy Bible translated from Aramaic goes into that. Um, I went back as far as the Tyndale Bible of 1526. That doesn't mean that it was right. It just means that it was a long time ago, and it's saying the exact same thing all the way through <clears throat> up into the NIV. So I like this idea of being, of Jesus, of Jesus being a man and being God and coming to earth, right? And I like the idea and the possibility and from what I've been digging into, the probability, but you be the judge for your own self, that he was also here before he came as a baby. Oh my God, what did she just say? Oh my gosh, what did she just say? <sighs> so, but you can't see God. Well, I didn't say you saw God. God the Father, no. But Jesus is the image of his Father, only taught what he saw and heard his father, right? So if he's the direct image, okay, are you with me? So it's, both things are true. Scripture says you, no man can see God and live. But God has also very much so been made known by God the Son. I just think it's interesting. I hope you do too. So, let's look at after the resurrection. Jesus comes back in bodily form, right? Downing Thomas. And after his... Resurrection, Jesus ate a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. He ate food. Like, if you're a spirit or a hologram or a whatever, you're not going to eat, right? So he wasn't just some disembodied spirit. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> and he also promised to drink wine with his disciples when he comes in his father's kingdom. And have another big old banquet with his folks. So I wasn't sure if the Lord wanted me to go here or not. And I'm only going to go here briefly. I do keep track of time. So there's this book I read many years ago. It's called uh, Who Ate Lunch with Abraham? The Appearances of God in the Form of a Man in the Hebrew Scriptures. 
who ate lunch with Abraham, appearances of God in the form of a man in the Hebrew scriptures. And I had it bookmarked, but now, of course, that's fallen out. So it talks, it's uh, in Genesis 18-ish. Um, about the three men who show up to Abraham. He's in his tent. Sarah's back there someplace. And the three men show up. And uh, Abraham's, oh, gosh, you know, hello, and goes and bows down to them and, and uh, recognizes the Lord and cooks a meal and they're getting ready to go pass judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody's kind of familiar with that story, right? And so um, Abraham's like, oh, or Abram at the time, he says, oh, stay and let me cook you something, and da-da-da-da-da. So they do. They stay, they cook, they get their feet washed. And then the two angels, because a lot of Bibles say it was three men. They all say three men. But then two of the Two angels left to go to Sodom and Gomorrah to go and see what kind of punishment they were going to dole out. But the other one stayed behind. And this other one, if you read this and you do the translation, was the Lord. And Abram had, was familiar with the Lord because he'd seen him before. So that's where this whole who ate lunch with Abraham comes from. So I'm gonna, can I read a little bit of it? Are you guys interested? Yeah? yeah? yeah. I won't take too long. We'll just go a little bit into it. So there were already appearances of Yahweh to Abram in Genesis earlier, in Genesis 12, 7, and Jehovah uh, appeared to uh, Abram. Actually, it's Yahweh, whatever. And then Genesis 15 came to Abram in a vision. In Genesis 17, he appeared to Abram. And, said, and then in 18, he uh, appeared to him at the Oaks of Mamir as he was sitting at the tent opening in the heat of the day. And so he lifted his eyes and saw, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent opening to meet them, bowed himself down to the ground. And so then the men arose from there, looked towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking uh, with them to send them on the way. And Jehovah said, Shall I cover up from Abraham that which I am doing? Because we remember Abraham is like a big deal to God. And so this is in their relationship. Shall I cover up from Abraham that which I am doing? Now an angel wouldn't say that, what I am doing. Then further on, the men turned away from there, went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before Jehovah. So in Genesis 18.33, so Jehovah left when he finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Now the two angels came to Sodom. I don't know you guys, right? It, it doesn't feel like a lot to take in. Mm -hmm. garden, there's a place where it says that God said, let me go. He, walked, he said, I went down and walked around to see 
if all that I heard was true about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm thinking, that was like an example where he walked again like a man. Mm -hmm. and then we get, it's, it, you don't see that very you know, times, times, but it, caught, it catches me like, okay, so God, I do know, you made us in your image, and you have arms, and you have feet, and you have eyes. You made us, you have all those things too. It is it is hard to envision him walking. And since I read this book, when I'm reading through the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, things start to stick out to me. And when things start to stick out to me, I figure that's Holy Spirit nudging me, and I dig in a little bit. And I go, could this be? Could this be an appearance? You know, because he could show up as an angel of the Lord. Well, there are angels, and then there's the angel of the Lord who speaks in the first person. Do you know, if I'm your representative, I'm not going to speak in first person. If I'm on speaking on behalf of God, I'm going to say he said. But if I'm God, I'm going to say I say. Right? Oh, I'm bending some minds, I think. But you know what? I love you guys. And like I said, I wasn't even sure I was going to bring that up. But I just said, Lord, you show me, you know. And so the sole purpose today is that, is to plant in your minds that idea that the whole eternal thing, the whole unity, they were in unity before. They didn't need us. They wanted us. Made us in their image. And I don't know. I just think when I was growing up, Jesus was this guy in the stained glass window with the sheep and the robe and he hung on a cross, and we were sad about that. We better be good. Do you know what I mean? I never, I was never presented, even as an adult, until my later years, which I'm in, about who he is as the third person, or one of the three, of our triune God. Now, there's a lot of religions that'll fight you over that. A lot of religions are going to fight over that. And I'm not into the religion aspect of it. I'm not trying to start a denomination. I'm just saying, as someone who likes to dig and who wants to know the Lord, this is what he gave me to share with you guys. So I hope you feel inspired to do that. And I hope that Holy Spirit... Let's just pray. So Holy Spirit, just thank you. Just thank you. And we really do want to know you more. We want to know you better. We want to know how to relate with you. We see your unity all through scripture. We've got several scriptures we read today where we see the three of you work as one. And our finite minds sometimes have a hard time wrapping around that. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just open the scriptures to us even more, that you would help us to recognize what you want us to recognize. Help us to see what you want you to see, hear what you want you to hear, and know what you want us to know. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.